Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and as usual, I'm your host for today. I'm so glad to have you here with me. I have had a couple of weeks since I've published a show, and I have a different show for you today. Normally, I have an interview, and we go through and talk about their business and everything that they've learned, how they failed, how they've succeeded, all the things that they have learned in the journey of getting to owning a successful local business. In the past, oh, several months, I would say, I have just had several things going on in my life that have completely changed a little bit about how I work and what I'm doing. And I wanted to kind of take the show in a little bit of a different direction. Now, I'm still going to do interviews because I think it is so important to get the word out about the local businesses that are doing great work. However, I am having a very difficult time getting people to come on the show and talk about their business. And part of it is because a lot of small business, local small business owners are not really in tune with the podcasting world. It's really easy for internet entrepreneurs and for other types of entrepreneurs that are viral and online, it is easy for them to understand podcasting and what it can do. I always say you can learn anything from YouTube, but I also believe you can learn anything from a podcast. So what I wanted to do today is kind of take you in a little bit of a different direction. I've never really sat down and shared with you my story and where I am right now. And at the same time, I am in the process of building a local business. And so I thought my journey kind of in real time as it's happening might be beneficial and helpful to some people that also want to start their own small business. So to kick us off, let me tell you a little bit. Here's here's my story. <laughs> here's the teaser for my story in a nutshell. Yes, it's crazy. I can tell you that right now. Um, 45-year-old woman leaves six-figure job, picks up and moves to the Florida Keys in search of a better life with no job and very little savings. She decides to start a local business with no savings, with no funding, with all these things against her. But that's my story. So let me tell you, this time last year, I was working in a job that was very slowly sucking the soul out of me. It wasn't anything to do with the job or the company. It was me. Let me tell you why. In 2013, I lived in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I drove 85 miles each way to go to work. It took me an hour and a half to get to my job every day. The great company it was a small family-owned business, and they paid me well. Like I say, I had a virtually six-figure income on good years. On bad years, it might be just below that. But that job was managing customer relations and a contact center and that sort of thing. So it doesn't really matter what the job was. I was driving an hour and a half each way. This time last year, July or August of 2013, the company decided that they were moving. They had outgrown the space we were in. So with that, they decided to move and they bought, or they, they leased a location that was across town, which meant it was 20 miles further. So now instead of having 85 miles to go each day, it was now going to be 105 miles each day. Now, mind you, I was already putting more than a thousand miles a week on my car. A lot of gas. I mean, 
500 bucks a month in gas alone. I had to get an oil change every single month, several thousand dollars a year in car repairs and maintenance on my car just to keep it in shape to drive this thousand miles a week. And so whenever they decided to move 20 miles further, now let's put it in perspective, 20 miles further meant that it was across town through the heart of town. So instead of now driving an hour and a half to go 85 miles, it was going to take me about two hours and 15 minutes to go 20 extra miles. So so to go the, the 105 miles. So that 20 extra miles added nearly 45 minutes on a good day to my drive. And then on the way home, it was, again, depending on traffic and that sort of thing, again, two plus hours. And I finally got to the point where I had listened to every audiobook that my library had. I listened to some of them twice by accident. So I started, I don't really even know how I found out about podcasting, but I found out that there was this way that you could download these, almost like radio shows, on my phone. I could do it while I was at home. And I could listen to them the whole way I was in the car. But the cool thing was there were so many topics. I could listen to anything. If I wanted to listen about, I love business. So if I wanted to listen about business, I could listen about business. If I wanted to hear other stories of successful business people, I could do that. If I wanted to learn how to manage my money, if I wanted to learn how to speak a language, I could do all that. But it was with these shows that were relevant. They were had just been produced within the last month or so. And it just fascinated me. So I began listening to podcasts and I would load up my phone, listen to podcasts, and really became a huge fan. I was the person that, if you've ever listened to Entrepreneur on Fire and John Lee Dumas, I was his avatar because I was the person that was frustrated because Pat Flynn would only put out one podcast a week or possibly every two weeks. And it got to the point where I could not consume enough. And then John Lee Dumas came out with Entrepreneur on Fire and he started doing it five days a week. And it was finally some, I could listen, you know, in my drive, if you think about it, at two and a half or two hours and 15 minutes each week way. That's four to four and a half hours of podcast listening time every single day. So I could virtually listen to a whole week worth of shows in one day. And so I had to have all these. I mean, I was what I was not only a super commuter, I was a super consumer of podcasts. So it really um, hit home with me what the, the podcast could do for people. And so I became very excited about that. So just to make a, a really long story a little bit shorter, I became dissatisfied with where I was. I realized that there was a lot out there for me to do in my life and that a lot that I needed to accomplish and I needed to get plugged in in some way working for myself. Now at 45 years old, it's a rough time to make a change because you're so entrenched. You've had, you know, 20 to 25 years of making a regular paycheck. You've had corporate benefits. You've had the security. You've not just had that, but you're at the point in your career where a lot of people report to you. And so you kind of used to being in charge and you're kind of used to the golden handcuffs, so to speak, right? John talks about that all the time. The golden handcuffs, they keep us where we shouldn't be longer than we should be there. And so making a transition was very difficult. But here's what I realized. In God's divine plan for my life, I don't believe God's best for me was sitting trapped in a car on the road for four or more hours a day. I just got to a point where I got my arms around that and said, there is something else. It's not that that part of my life didn't have a purpose. My purpose was to find podcasting and learn all I could learn and that sort of thing and then take it and do something with it. So 
in short order, I changed my life. I made plans, and my spouse and I decided to move to the Florida Keys. We decided that we would move to the Key West area. Now, Key West, Florida is a fantastic area. It is tropical. It's got a subtropical climate. Even in the winter, it's rare for the temperature to get below 65 degrees. It's gorgeous. It has the most unusual ocean. So we made plans. We began making plans. And against all odds, I'm not even going to go through all the details of how we got here, but I can tell you in my current situation where I was, I felt like I could not take on any more debt. I had reached my limit for how much debt I wanted to take on. I felt like there was not another thing we could squeeze out of our monthly budget. Um, we had all the toys that we were really ever going to have because at this point we're not buying anything else. And we were just to a point where, like I said, I felt like I had to have those huge paychecks. And so we moved to the Florida Keys, and it wasn't an easy process. I will tell you it took us about nine months to transition. My spouse was down here first, and it took me about nine months later to find be down here full-time. Um, I had a house in Spartanburg that we had to do something with, and so we decided the best option to get the mortgage payment covered. We decided the best thing to do was to lease our house. So we leased it out. We found people that wanted to lease it for a year. They've been great tenants, uh, packed up everything, bought another house down here, and moved. And then I stayed back in Columbia, South Carolina, which is where I work, and stayed with a friend and continued to work there for the next four to five months to get them, number one, through the busy season, but also because I needed to continue to have a steady paycheck coming in. And so it wasn't until June of 2014, the middle of June, that I finally decided enough. Got them through the busy season. I'd given my company six months notice, essentially, that I was leaving. Not that they had hired anybody yet, but you know, I could have kept that job as long as I wanted to, but I was ready to get on with my life. And so when I started looking at what to do in Key West, uh, there's, there's a great local business climate. It's an expensive place to live. The cost of living is probably, for housing-wise, it's probably double what it was in South Carolina. Um, so I couldn't imagine previously having mortgages that were as high as they are down in Florida. The ex insurance is very expensive, as you can imagine. And a lot of things are a little bit more expensive. It costs more to get things down here because it's a more remote location. But the trade-off is you're living in Key West, you know? I mean, who, who doesn't want to do that? that that's awesome. So um, but what I decided to do is, and this is where my local business building um, is going to come in in the story that we're going to follow, but I had started my podcast while I was still in Columbia, South Carolina, and I was still working. I would do it in the nights on the weekends and got try to get as many local business people to talk to me as possible. So that was something that I always wanted to plan on to keep doing. And so while I was doing that, I figured I would come down to um, Key West and I needed something just to get some cash flow going. I just needed something to essentially get the bills covered. Now, once I got the bills covered, then I could worry about, you know, growing my online ventures and that sort of thing. So my plan was I needed something. And here's, here's essentially what my, my requirements were. I didn't have very much money to put into it. I essentially got a what they called a hard work bonus at my job. Got a hard work bonus at my job at the end of June, and it was about eight thousand dollars. So I had that as a cushion, and uh, no other savings. I had exhausted all the other savings that I had in trying to get a house down here and putting my down payment and that sort of thing on it. And so I needed something I could start up with relatively low cost. I also needed something I could do myself. I didn't want to have to take on employees because I knew I didn't have um, enough working capital to pay my expenses. 
and employees expenses. So I needed something I could do myself. I needed it to generate immediate cash. I wasn't looking for something that would be uh, a long turnaround time before it was profit. So I also needed something that, that required very little infrastructure in a, to build the business. In other words, I didn't need uh, elaborate build out on a building. I didn't need a lot of having to order inventory or find product. I didn't need anything like that. I just needed something I could jump in and start doing. So I had decided after going to the famous Sunset Celebration at Mallory Square, I decided that it would be easiest to try to be a food vendor at Mallory Square. Um, and it's a, if you're not familiar with the Sunset Celebration, every night in Key West, two hours before sunset until two hours after sunset, it is like a festival comes to life at the pier down um, in Key West. And it's the best place to view the sunset. And so what happens is food vendors, performers, you know, the, the street theater type uh, people come down there. All the local artists bring all their work that they have done. And it's completely artisan craft fair going on at the same time you have of jugglers and performers and, and food vendors, and it's just a coming together of people and watch the sunset as the sun sets someone blows the conch shell people applaud i mean it's just a great tradition of honoring the beauty of the sunset and key west sunsets are famous for a very good reason so i thought the easiest thing would be to do to do is put that down there. So what I began doing is working on getting a food cart down there. And so what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm just going to briefly tell you how I got started and what I did and all the barriers I encountered. And then in the next episode, I'll tell you where we are today. So I thought that because I was going to put a food cart in Mallory Square that I could get up and running very quickly and easily. And so the first thing I did is I realized I had to go. There was a there's a, a cultural preservation society that rules and regulates the sunset celebration. And everything that you do has to go before the participation committee. It's like a jury, and they you have to make your products for them. They have to see that they're all handmade. You can't just come down there and bring um, a bunch of things that are already prepackaged and processed and sell them right there. They, everything, they have to see that you're making it. They have to see that you can make it, and they have to make sure that, again, nobody is duplicating products. Because if someone already has a product down at Mallory Square, you cannot sell the same thing and be in direct competition with them. So you have to be creative with your product. You have to look and know what's already down there. At the same time, it has to be something you can make and something that you can make and serve relatively quickly while people are standing there waiting for it. Or you can make it ahead of time and it can be ready to be, be sold down there. So I decided I had done a lot of research on, well, I'm not even going to tell you yet what I decided to make because that's kind of getting into the bigger picture. But essentially, the very first Monday I was down here, they had a participation committee meeting where you could go and jury your products. So I went, and that was my first step to get approval. So I did that immediately and got approved, and they assigned me a mentor, and I was off and running. So because it's a food product, there's a couple of considerations that I had to uh, also encounter, more loopholes. If you are an artist or something down there, you made your own stuff, once a participation committee uh, saw your product and approved you, and then you got your cart or your 
your tables or whatever it is you're going to set up down there, your booth, so to speak. They would look at that and approve it, make sure it was the right size, and then you'd be good to go. Well, not so for food vendors, of course, right? The public health and safety is at risk, so you have a lot more loopholes to go through. So I had to take a food safety manager course, which I did. I took It took me about two weeks. I did the online coursework, and then I had to uh, sign up and, like a week later for the testing area to go take the test and pass the test. So that took another couple of weeks. And then in the meantime, I had to go and get licensed by the Department of Agriculture because of the food I was selling. It fell under the Department of Agriculture. But here's the thing. With a food cart, and, and in most areas of the country it's like this, and I don't think people realize this, but most mobile food vending services are required to have what is called a commissary agreement with a real commercial kitchen, a licensed commercial kitchen. And what this is, is to make sure that people aren't you know, improperly disposing of wastewater. It's to make sure you have proper access to proper sanitizing. And I understand why it's there. It's, it's, you know, it's a good thing. But in order to get a commissary agreement with a regular licensed commercial kitchen, I mean, look at what your options are. Your options are restaurants, maybe schools. There's, There might be like some, well, there would be like some VFWs around where there's, they're selling food and they have a licensed kitchen. So you're, you're looking at places like that. And I didn't know anybody. I mean, I'm new to town, right? I don't have a long history of having a deep network in Key West. And so I thought and thought, this is going to be my barrier. This is going to be the Achilles heel of my business. And it's going to take it down before it can even get started. And so I... Um, I looked around and I realized I had been attending a church and been involved and kind of doing some music and stuff there. And I realized that that church has a commercial kitchen and it's used only once a week to make meals on Saturdays for the shut-ins. They have a called a Cooking with Love program. And so they were using that, but, it, but because it was for a church and because it was being done for charity, it didn't fall under any of the licensing uh, structures that were in place. They didn't have to be licensed. And so I was was able to talk to the church, was able to get them to say, you know what, we will go through the licensing process for you so that we can be your commissary kitchen and we can sign a commissary agreement with you. And so from that point on, I had to make sure the kitchen was in shape. We had to get it all up and ready for inspections, make sure it was thoroughly cleaned and it met the standards. So I finally had the Department of Agriculture come and inspect the kitchens. And then they came and inspected my food cart and got all of that taken care of and passed all the licensing on the first first try on there. So that was the beginning and I was off and running. As I started to tell you before, I definitely had done my research about what type of fair and festival type foods were a hit all across the country. And two things that kept coming up were caramel apples and grilled corn. And so I decided that I was going to do caramel apples and grilled corn on my food cart. Caramel apples I was going to make ahead of time and I was going to have different flavors. There were the big gourmet caramel apples, you know, the kind you make, and you dip in caramel, and then you have an outer layer of nuts or some other type of crunchy, crumbly thing, and then you, you do some uh, chocolate or white chocolate or something over the outside of it to just make it a beautiful presentation. And so those were the products that I first 
went to market with down and I so I started in the middle of August so again from June to August it took me about 60 days to get started whenever in my planning I had thought that within the first 30 days I could get up and going so that's where we're gonna I'm gonna leave my story for today and tomorrow uh, I'm going to tell you about my first days down there and what happened and what I'm doing today and so at this point I can tell you I already made some mistakes. I had already underestimated my time. I didn't understand how long it would take me to get licensed and registered. I didn't completely understand the licensing requirements for a commissary kitchen, which took me even longer to figure out because if I had known what all I needed to do, I could have already been arranging this even while I was in South Carolina to be uh, having the commissary agreement with the church and I would have been able to get licensed much quicker. At that point, I have already made the number one mistake of what they say, how However long it takes you to, you think you're going to take to get your business up and going double it. So that definitely proved true for me. And I'm going to also, uh, in the, the next episode, I'm going to be telling you about, uh, there. this is not the end of my mistakes. So please believe me, there's a whole list besides that. But what I'm going to be doing with the podcast, I'm going to be updating, giving you this, letting you follow along in my journey. I'm catching you up right now from, you know, I took you through the middle of August and we're now here at October, beginning of October. And so um, you're, you're, you're going to get caught up and then we're going to, you're going to go through it day by day with me as we go through and see what I'm doing to try to build my new business and my local community and what I'm trying to do to be involved. So, um, additionally, um, I've gotten some feedback. Uh, people would prefer instead of having one long form podcast for me to break up episodes into uh, smaller segments and do part one and part two and have it, you know, no more than about a half an hour. So that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, I welcome Welcome you to join my journey. I welcome your feedback on it. I will also be in the future bringing on guests and still doing some interviews. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you how I'm building a business. I'm showing you how I'm struggling with it. I'm going to show you the mistakes I've made, and you're going to come right along with me. Uh, some of them are very predictable, especially in hindsight. They're extremely predictable. But let me also let you know that I, I sit on my outdoor screened in porch right here on the canal in order to do these podcasts. So occasionally you're going to hear some noise. You might hear some wind. You might hear, uh, I do have some uh, dogs, and so you might occasionally hear them. You might occasionally hear a boat go by. Or we're in the Florida Keys, so we also have sometimes the mosquito control helicopter will pop up every now and then and uh, as they're spraying for mosquitoes. So we got a lot of environment environmental issues to deal with. I couldn't have an office with a better view. And uh, I appreciate your patience, the audio quality. I know is something that's important and I'm doing everything possible to make it as good as I possibly can and at this point I want you to understand some of the noises that you might be hearing um, it, it every time I hear a boat go by it I hope it makes you want to get out and get on the water and live the life you want to live because this that's what this is all about this is changing your life I heard something the other day and I believe it was a statistic that said upwards of 75% of people that are holding jobs right now are not happy in their jobs. And that, my friend, is exactly why we are here. It's why we're learning. It's why we're talking about this. Because I was one of that 75%. I was one of those that felt like I had to stay because I had bills to pay and I had things to do. And how would I make it if I didn't have that big job and big paycheck to depend on? And so uh, we're going to learn how you can take the steps to take control of your life 
It's not going to do any good to complain about it. It's not going to do any good to look and say somebody else had a break. Somebody else was able to inherit money and that got them started. Somebody else just, oh, it's just easier for them to get up and move from South Carolina to Key West. No, it wasn't easy. It's not easy. I'm going to take you on the journey. You're going to find out what it is. And then I hope in your life you will be able to determine what action steps you need to take to get your life in balance where you want it and that you're happy and you have the amount of money you need and the time freedom you need to live a fulfilled life. You guys, we only live once and it is way too short of a time for 75% of the working people to be dissatisfied with their jobs. So join me tomorrow. I'm going to tell you about uh, my first days down at Mallory Square and my vending and food cart and see uh, if you could predict some of the mistakes that I've made. So thank you so much for joining us. And if you haven't already done it, subscribe to us in iTunes. We're getting back on a regular publishing schedule five days a week. So subscribe to us. You'll have something new and exciting waiting for you every single time you turn on your listening device. So thank you again so much. And you guys take control of your life today so it doesn't have to take control. If you'd like to join our local community here at the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, the best way to do that is to follow us on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash brick and mortar reporter podcast. Now, every single day when we upload a new episode and we launch it, we'll have a little blurb there along with a link to it, along with some great discussions about local business and things that are going on in local areas all over the country that can affect your business and other businesses in the local community. So follow us on Facebook. We'd love to have you join our community. If you are a Twitter user, and we know many of you are, we love Twitter ourselves, we would love to have you follow us on Twitter. You can find us at BAM, B-A-M, Reporter. It's at B-A-M Reporter. So hop on over to Twitter, follow us, and you'll get all the updates every time we launch a new episode. And when anything comes out that the local business community needs to be aware of, we will tweet that out and you'll have access to that. So follow us on Twitter at B-A-M Reporter. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build businesses all day long with no permits. Remember, local businesses are the backbone of our economy. So, whenever you have the opportunity, choose local. 